Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, and ETFs. We break this episode into two parts, stocks and bonds, and mutual funds and ETFs. Tanner breaks down each and gives you pros and cons to be aware of. If you're listening on Spotify, give us a five-star review. They've introduced a new rating system and we would greatly appreciate it. Enjoy episode 12. Sharp Podcast, presented by Harmony Wealth, a podcast geared to educate you on all things financial. Co-hosts Tanner Bortnam and Adam Henning discuss various financial topics presented in a consumable and entertaining manner. Tanner is a certified financial planner, JD, and financial expert, while Adam is a marketing professional and small business owner. It's time to harmonize. Sit back and enjoy the episode. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to episode 12 of the F-Sharp podcast presented by Harmony Wealth. I am Adam Henning and joined as always is certified financial planner and financial expert Tanner Bortnum. Good morning, Tanner. How are we doing? Good. How are you, Adam? Doing good. Doing good. It's the end of January at the time we're recording this episode, so I'm still stuck in the frigid Minnesota winter. <laughs> Tanner's enjoying the beautiful desert weather. That's right. In Phoenix, probably golfing. I plan to get out later today, yes. Do the, the courses probably never shut down, do they? Uh, well, they will for like a, a month when they, they do what's called overseeding. They'll put in the grass that um, grows best during the winter, cooler months here in Arizona. Um, and then they'll do that again in the spring and they just switch out <laughs> the grass. But other than that, nope, you can golf all year round. Interesting. What is the golf? I'm not a big golfer. I, for those that are listening, I don't golf at all. I when I usually go golfing, I take about 12 balls and hope I can make it through <laughs> holes. That's how good of a golfer I am. You just need to practice. Yeah, it's a, every hobby is expensive, but that one I feel like is very expensive with time and resources. But is the golf season starting already with the tour and all that fun stuff? I don't watch golf either. Oh, yeah, with the PGA, yeah, it started here uh, beginning, beginning of January, I think, I think they go with the calendar year. Fun. And then you, Phoenix is one of the first, is it, it's in Phoenix, right? Yeah. Yeah. Waste management. The waste management. Uh, they've actually changed it. It's now waste management changed their name to WM. So it's a WM open. Um, yeah, I'm sure a lot of people are, are aware of that because they're, even you, Adam, would enjoy your time at WM Open. <laughs> at Wasted? Wasted Management uh, Open? Yeah, there's a lot of that. Um, I mean, the first time I went, it was it was really actually overwhelming. I mean, I go there to watch the golf. I really enjoy that. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I saw, you know, people sitting there drinking beer, staring, sitting on a hill, staring at porta-potties. I mean, I don't know why you'd go in and pay that much money to sit on a hill and you know stare at that um i'd at least try to find a, a different hill to sit on and drink your beers but <laughs> it's it's crazy um you know before covid i think they were ha- averaging like i i mean i don't even know like a hundred thousand people a day i mean it could have been more than that it it's 
it's absolutely insane. Um, it's, you know, typically at golf, you know, they want you to be quiet, no talking or making noises while people hit here you get on hole 16 which is you know the the stadium hole that's completely surrounded by by stadium seating and certain players will like actually pump up the crowd before they hit and it's uh nice it's yeah it's a it's its own it's its own beast it's its own unique uh golf tournament and um yeah it's it's fun to to be there and and watch is golf a sport like baseball? I would prefer to watch baseball in person. I like watching it on TV, but with football, I don't really like being in the stadium. I would rather watch it on TV, but what's golf like from a perspective? I, I've shot a few tournaments from a photography standpoint, but you know nothing of the magnitude of um, a pro tour event. But what's um, it like going from hole to hole? Is it kind of the romance of it, like baseball? I think it's. Yeah, you know, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, I'm the same. I I don't really like watching baseball on TV. I'd rather go to the you know go to the game. Um, golf is kind of a, at least from my standpoint, I think it's kind of a hybrid. I think a lot of people probably think it's boring on TV. Um, I like watching it on TV because you're gonna get you can get that commentator knowledge that you otherwise don't have of the course, you know, like, Oh, they're hitting this type of club and they're going to play this type of a shot. And, you know, you don't know that when you're just out walking around following them. But when you're out walking around following them, you actually, you know, you can watch the entirety of the shot and, and not just like, you know, camera cuts and watching it fly through the, I mean, you can see them, you know, play a draw, which is, you know, the ball is going to move from right to left and they're intentionally making it move that way at the exact amount they want it to, to land, you know, to go around a tree or whatever. I mean, you, you witness, like you, you, you have to be there to truly witness the greatness, I would say. Like watching, you know, watching. I don't need to, I mean, watching them on TV, is just like good grief. They're so good. (laughs) Well, they are, they are, but like to be able, but to be able to see that in person and, and watch the entirety of the shot, I think takes it to a whole new level of you're just, you know, a normal golfer out there would be, you know, whack a doodle in this down the fairway from where they are. And they find a way to just lace it, you know, five feet from the pin. Um, it's, it's really, that's that's what I think is cool about watching it live. It it really separates, um, obviously the pros from you know your your average right. Joes. I'd probably be the guy sitting on the hill looking at the porta potties. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you at least sit on a hill and watch one hole. Um, but this year, I'm actually really excited. So they have what's called. I don't expect you to know what this name is, but they have what's called uh, score bearers. And if you've ever actually watched golf on tv and you see the people carrying this typically it's a green stick behind the people kind of yeah and it has the people's names and and what their what their score is where they are Uh, a a buddy and i got asked to do that so so this is our first year that we get to do that and and on thursday of the tournament coming up um i don't know who we're with yet but like we get to go walk the course with pros and we'll be i don't know five ten feet from them regularly getting to watch them hit you know hit these shots not from behind the ropes not what you know like we will be right there um i'm 
super excited about that. I, I that's my my golf nerd talking, but uh, it, it's going to be really cool. Quiet, please. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, I don't hold that sign. <laughs> that's that's other people. Sure. All right, episode 12, stocks versus bonds versus mutual funds versus ETFs. We're going to go over each, basics of each of them, compare uh, each to uh, each other, difference between them, pros and cons, and where you're likely to see them. So let's start with stocks. Um, You want to give us the rundown basics of of stocks, Tanner? Yeah, yeah. Um, And in this first group, let's, uh, we'll start with stocks. Uh, but we're going to kind of break it up into two different parts. We'll do stocks and bonds. Um, So stocks uh, first, obviously most people are are very aware of what these are. Um, You're wanting, it's equity. You're wanting to become an owner in this company, whatever the company is. Uh, You know, I always use Apple as an example. Uh, You know, if you want to buy Apple, you're going to go buy a stock um, you know, share in Apple and, and you would own stock. And so uh, if Apple uh, does really well and the, the price of Apple goes up, as you as the owner holding that stock, you get to appreciate with them. On the flip side, if Apple does poorly, you're an owner. So you, uh, you know, you would, your value would go down as well. Um, and so it's stocks are going to be more more aggressive, obviously, than bonds um, because it, it's it's equity. If if a company would go bankrupt, you're one of the last people to get paid. If there is any money left, um, they pay the creditors first. And so the owning a stock is is owning equity and 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 similar to being a well not similar it is you're you're an owner in the company a very very small owner um, in the company but you're nonetheless um, taking the mindset of of wanting to own something. Whereas when we flip over to bonds, it's more of I don't necessarily want to own something. I want to act like the bank. I want to lend my money to said company in return for a, you know, an agreed upon interest rate that they're going to pay me back you know, monthly, yearly, quarterly, whatever the agreement is. And uh, you know, if that company, again, let's say that you want to get a bond through Apple, um, and they're going to pay 5% interest. I'm just going to make up some numbers. Uh, you have to give them you know, at least $1,000. Bonds trade in $1,000 increments. And so if this um, bond is for two years at 5%, you're going to lend them you know, $1,000. So you buy one bond. And in return, they're going to give you 5% uh, interest per year on that. And at the end of the two years, they're going to give you your $1,000 back. So if Apple really crushes it, you don't get to partake in their success. Now, on the flip side, if Apple really dives, you, you, you're you more protected. I'm not going to say you're completely protected. You're more protected than a stock owner would be because if Apple would go bankrupt, um, they have to pay out creditors, which would be bondholders first. And so it's really just more, um, they're, they're exact opposites of, of one another, um, you know, being an owner versus being a, a lender. Um, and it's more <clears throat> designed around what you're trying to do, you know, in your financial plan. <clears throat> and most financial plans have some aspect of both. 
um, you know, you'll have a percentage of equity-based, and you'll have you know another percentage of income-based, which is you know typically your your bond side of things. Um, and then kind of just comparing those two a little bit more uh, and contrasting them, um, stocks. Uh, again, they're going to be part of the stock market, obviously, and stocks go up based on uh, fear and greed. Now, there's a bunch of other things that they they will go up and down on, of course, you know, based on the company itself and financials and whatnot. But you know, as as we've been seeing, you know, basically since uh, you know the beginning of December of 2021, you know, the stock market is is kind of taking a little bit of a beating here. <laughs> and there's a lot of there's a lot of good companies that have taken a beating, probably unrightfully so. But it's just there's fear in the markets, and so the stocks react to that, and stocks. Some stocks are worse, some stocks are, are not as bad, but the stock market itself tends to ebb and flow based on fear and greed. People either, it, it, it's the fear of missing out kind of movement, so to speak, or, or not movement, but fear of missing out feeling in which, you know, if the market's going up, you know, we hear about it either on television, on, in, uh, you know, radio, on, on, uh, the newspaper or from friends about how you know the portfolio or stock market's gone up or our portfolio's gone up or whatever and so then people oh well i need to get in on this i I, I fear of missing out i'm gonna miss out on this so i need to buy and then as more people buy the stock market goes up and then on the flip side it happens the exact same way on the downside some news comes out some people start selling because they don't like the news of whatever it happens to be and then the markets start going down and then you know, it, it's a reverse of fear of missing out. People think I need to get out now. Everyone's saying I need to get out now because it's going to get way worse. And then that leads to more selling, which leads to more kind of of the market going down until it you know finds a a bottom where you know most people get, start getting back in and saying, okay, this is this is oversold. Um, and so anyway, that's really just kind of how how stocks will in the short term trade now of course over the long term it's based on the company how the company itself is doing fundamentals and and whatnot uh and then you go to bonds and bonds again more on the short term they interact with interest rates and so as interest rates go up uh bond prices go down and vice versa and so to use our apple example from before if you have a a two-year, um, a two-year bond that's paying five percent, and if interest rates go up, and now Apple wants to issue brand new uh, two-year bonds at six percent, well, that first bond that you had, Adam, would not be worth a thousand dollars anymore because I can give them a thousand dollars right now and get a better interest rate. So if you wanted to sell, you'd have to sell it at a discounted rate. You wouldn't get your full thousand dollars back because interest rates are higher. Um, and vice versa, you know, if all of a sudden interest rates go down and now it's at 4%, well, your bond is much more attractive. So you could get more than a thousand dollars out of it because they can't go get a 5% rate, you know, anywhere else. And, you know, kind of with that, um, a little sidebar, uh, you know, in our current environment where we are, I'm sure everyone is well aware that interest rates are pretty much as low as they've been ever almost ever. And mm. we know that the Federal Reserve is going to start raising interest rates this year. Um, 
you know, how many times they do it, unknown, estimated somewhere between two and four times in 2022. So I think it's very important for people to review their portfolio right now. And if you have bonds in your portfolio or more particularly a bond uh, mutual fund or ETF, which we'll get to that in the second half of this podcast, what those are, um, you know, talk with your advisor or look at, you know, do you need to get out of this? Because it's virtually guaranteed that the price of that's going to go down. Interest rates are going to go up and we know what that does to bond prices. It's going to go down. And so, uh, you know, you might want to try to get ahead of that. Again, I'm not making that as a recommendation. That's a, you need to go talk with your advisor on that. Uh, but it is something to consider and look at right now when we know interest rates are going to go up. Um, you know, for my clients, we don't have any money in bonds right now because it, to me, I view it as a virtual guarantee to lose money. And <laughs> we try to avoid those whenever we can. <laughs> Didn't the, the treasury come out with a higher interest rate bond though in the last couple months of like 7% or something? Um, those, yeah, rate. well, those would have been tips. Um, so they didn't come out with them. Those are um, tips stand for, I'm trying to remember, Treasury Inflation Protected Securities. So it it acts like a bond, but it fluctuates with uh, inflation. And it's set based on, I think, the CPI. But it's set on however inflation is going. And since inflation is high, um, they will set those for, I believe it's the next six months. So, yeah, I think in December was when it came out. And it goes till June. And it was something around 7%. Because that's what inflation is at. Um, and what tips do is they just move around with inflation. So come June, let's say inflation's at 4%, it's going to get reset to 4 let's say. Or if it's at 1%, it's going to get reset to 1 Now, again, I don't think it's going to come down that fast, but just using that as an So it's just to offset inflation? It's, Correct. There's really no... Okay. Correct. It's just going to... Tra- so like tips would have been absolutely terrible to be in for the previous 10 years. I mean, up until this point where we now have inflation because inflation was at, you know, one to 2% a year. And so you would have gotten one to 2% per year, which, <laughs> so that, sure. that's what, yeah, tips are there to, um, as a hedge against inflation. So they work very well right now. Um, you know, people's money is at least keeping up with inflation when it's in a tip. Um, but, you know, again, inflation is going to come down. The Fed will get this under control. It's just a matter of when. Can you get out of that at any time or how are you locked in for an Um, appreciation date? No. So bonds, you can always sell a bond. Um, It's just if you hold the bond all the way to maturity, you'll get your $1,000 back. Um, If you want to sell it in the interim before the maturity date is up, that's when you're at at the whim of, of the market. So maybe you sell it for more maybe you sell it for less it depends what interest rates have done since you bought right. it gotcha interesting i mean yeah the the thing that you stated about <laughs> over the last 10 years is kind of scary if if you were in bonds um to guarantee to lose money so i mean obviously well, they serve a purpose probably for someone's portfolio correct, to retirement. correct and i i just want to i want to clarify that statement being in tips would have been bad over the past 10 years because tips are tied to inflation and inflation was very low. Being in bonds themselves, while I still think was not 
the most ideal situation over the last 10 years. Hindsight's always 2020. We know that the stock market has absolutely outperformed bonds. So that's very easy for me to sit here and say that the stock market's where people should have been. I'm not saying people shouldn't have been in bonds over the last 10 years. I'm just saying currently, I think people should be looking at their portfolio because we're at the bottom of interest rates right now. And the only way for us to go is up. And the Fed told us we're going up. So when interest rate, you know, remember what I said earlier, as interest rates go up, the price of your bond goes down. Now, if you're going to, if you own individual bonds and you're going to hold them till maturity without fail, this doesn't matter. This doesn't apply to you because if you hold it to maturity, you get your thousand dollars back. But if you might sell them before the maturity date, because again, not all, not all bonds are only two years. Actually, most of them are typically longer. They're five, 10 you know, plus years. So if you might sell it before that time frame is up, you may want to look at it. And particularly even more important, I would say, is if you are in a bond or income-based mutual fund or ETF, you very much want to look at those. And we'll get to that once we you know, kind of get to the second half of the podcast. All right, we're moving on to mutual funds and ETFs, something that are um, pretty similar, but uh, let's discuss and, and break down the differences between those two. Yeah, so with this, um, and kind of trying to differentiate, because they're all investments, but um, you know, at the, the first half of this, stocks and bonds are individual units that you buy. You bought 10 shares of Apple or you bought 10 bonds you know, through Apple, whatever it is, they're individual units that you control. Now on the second half of this podcast with mutual funds and ETFs, they're going to be um, the, the typical way that this gets explained is think of them like a bundle of sticks or a bundle of straw or you know, whatever. It's a group, you know, some company, some mutual fund company puts together a group of stocks so that you know you as the individual investor doesn't have to go out and buy all of these companies individually and they bundle them together inside their mutual fund and then you just pay whatever for a share of the mutual fund and then you get a portion of all of these different companies that are inside of there um, and now you know for example there's S&P 500 mutual funds and ETFs. What that means is if you, you know, if someone buys into one of those, you're going to own a piece of all 500 companies that are in the S&P 500. Um, there's mutual funds and ETFs for, for, for virtually anything. I mean, you can find them for anything. And now again, when we're talking about mutual funds and ETFs, it's a bundle. It's a bundle of, of things. And so it can be stocks inside there or bonds inside there or a combination of both. So you really have to be careful and look at the type of mutual fund that you're, or ETF, mutual fund or ETF that you're getting into to see what their um, actual holdings are, uh, you know, and what what it's geared to do and what, what they, uh, you know, plan to do and what types of assets they plan to buy. Because it could have, like I said, could have a lot of different things inside of there. And so, um, now kind of breaking down the difference between mutual funds and ETFs, 
a mutual fund. Uh, they're older. They've been around for a really long time. Again, think of it like that bundle of sticks that's inside of there. They, um, they will trade once per day. So let's say you wanted to buy into you know, Vanguard, whatever, whatever, mutual fund. You, you buy it at 9 o'clock in the morning. Too bad, so sad. Your money goes into the fund at the end of the day. So if if uh, you know if that fund did really well over the course of the day, you're buying less shares. If it did poorly, hey, good for you. You get to buy more shares. Now on the flip side, same thing with a sell. Let's say you want to get out because things look terrible. It's 2007, 2008, and the market's going down, and you want to sell. Well, too bad. You don't get out until the end of the day. So you can't. They're not as quick. They're not as quick and 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 mobile. Whereas an ETF, same thing bundle of investments, stocks or bonds or whatever. Um, but they trade like they trade like a stock. They trade you know virtually instantaneously. As, as long as there is someone there to, you know, if you're trying to buy it, as long as there's a seller there um, willing to buy from you or vice versa, as if you're trying to sell, as long as someone's willing to buy from you, you can um, you can sell or, or buy those virtually instantaneously. So I prefer ETFs. Um, they're becoming much more, much more prominent, I would say, um, because of that feature. It gives you more flexibility. It works the same way, it give, but it gives you that feature of being able to trade um, much quicker. And then the other aspect is it gets a little bit into the weeds, but ETFs are much more tax efficient. Um, so if you have you know these investments inside of a retirement account, doesn't matter. But if you have like just a regular investment account. Um, I would I would implore you to use ETFs. Um, they're going to be much more tax efficient than a mutual fund, so that you're not getting hit with you know what are called phantom phantom gains uh, on you know mutual funds that can happen. And we'll get into that in you know the, the the next podcast when we dive a little deeper into you know the mechanics of mutual funds and ETFs. You know when I'm learning about all this stuff and going down that you know, financial literacy journey of you know, figuring out everything. I always go straight to why does this exist or what's the origin of some of these things? Obviously, there's some pros and cons to it or else they wouldn't exist. So right. the first one is, well, the mutual fund sounds great. Let's start our own mutual fund. <laughs> 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 um, you know, the bucket analogy, that, that sounds, um, you know, that's, easy to understand that sounds great does that um kind of lower the ceiling and raise the floor a little bit from a risk stand risk standpoint versus stocks um by just you know investing in mutual funds um why wouldn't you invest in a mutual fund is the the management of it higher versus just a single stock i get the flexibility of the stock but it just seems like from a diversification standpoint why wouldn't I buy the bundle over the single stock? But that my mind without, you know, in and of itself, my mind would go, well, the the ceiling is probably a lot higher for a single stock, but the floor is a lot lower. So am I correct in saying that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, all, all of that's correct. Um, you know, and, and, and since I've kind of explained all these, I'm, I'm going to switch it from mutual funds to, to ETFs because that's what I use for my clients. And, and like I've said, that's what I prefer. Um 
but yeah, I mean, for for most people, I think ETFs are are, are perfect. Um, you know, it allows uh, you know, especially someone that wants to do this on their own and not have the help of a financial advisor. You know, it allows you to not have, you know, it, it diversify. It allows you to diversify uh, much easier because, like I said, if you have a S and P 500 ETF, you have to own one thing, and you have now a piece of 500 companies rather than you yourself have to go out there and buy each of those companies. And to do that is going to take tens of thousands, if not you know, tens of thousands of dollars, or not just time, but tens of thousands of dollars. Right. I mean, like, you know, Amazon is in there. One share of Amazon's over three grand. Well, who wants to buy one share? So you're going to buy two, three shares of something. And, and by the time you do that with Amazon and Apple and Tesla and Microsoft and, you know, all the companies that are in there, it, it now becomes tens of thousands of dollars. Whereas, you know, if you only have $5,000 to invest or $1,000 to invest, you can get started in an ETF because, you know, you're not going to own an entire share of Amazon, but you own part of a share of Amazon by being in this ETF. And that's the beauty of, of how they work. It, it makes it a lot simpler for people to get diversification, um, you know, for themselves without having to, to go buy all these themselves. And then the second aspect of it is you know, these are managed, um, you know, to each their own of, of who, uh, whether people think that professional money managers know what they're talking about. I tend to think that they do because they're some of the smartest people in the economic industry and they have very high, um, you know, degrees, uh, doctorates in ec- you know, econ- uh, economics and, you know, different things like that. Uh, they're the people running these mutual funds or ETFs. Um, you know, it's, the, it's so to answer kind of what you said, oh, let's start in, uh, a mutual fund. Yeah, we can't. Um <laughs> You know why? <laughs> well, first off, uh, we That's would a joke. Oh no! Well, I mean, we would need it. We would need a team of people. Like it's not sure. just one. Like no mutual fund out there is just some one person picking what things should be. In. I mean, it's a team of people that go through. Because again, like we've said in previous episodes, you know, especially with uh, yeah, just our last one on day trading. You know, like there's so much information out there. That you need a team of people to run these mutual funds um, or or ETFs, and so um, yeah, I think that they're. I, I think that that's what most people should now. If if people want to invest in an individual stock because they really enjoy it or they think you know, fine, um, you know, your portfolio is up to you know up to you individually or you and your advisor. But yeah, an ETF or a mutual fund is going to help with diversification, which will. You know, the more diversification you have helps, like you said, it helps. Yeah, it's going to lower the ceiling a little bit, but it's going to raise the floor a lot, you know, rather than just owning three stocks in your portfolio. Well, now you're tied to three companies rather than I own an S&P 500 ETF and I have a piece of 500 companies like your your risk is is diversified you know, throughout 500 companies. Um, so. That's why I think they were, or not why I think, I mean, that's why they were created um, is so that it, it makes it easier for people to, to achieve that. Um, now, some downsides. Um, you know, if you own a stock, there is no cost to owning a stock. Um, you know, I go buy Apple and 
there is, you know, other than, dep- I guess, depending upon where, where it gets traded through or who, you know, whomever, there's, you know, there's cost to get into it. There's either a spread or a transaction or whatever. But once you own it, you own it. There's no cost to owning it. Whereas an ETF and a mutual fund, um, you know, they have costs because it is it's a professional team managing this portfolio, uh, this bundle of, of stocks or bundle of, of uh, bonds. And um, so they, they get paid, you know, they get paid to do their job and um, or like property tax. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. every single and that's the part there's like I said, there's there's tens of thousands of ETFs out there from anything from. You know, and again, this is kind of um, prefacing our, our next podcast. So if this interests you, you know, make sure you tune into our next one where we're going to do a much deeper dive into uh, mutual funds and, and ETFs. Uh, but, you know, there's there's index ETFs, there's um, there's active ETFs, there's smart beta ETFs, there's sector ETFs. I mean, you can find something out there for almost anything i mean there there's uh, a big movement now is is esg environmental social and governance type um etfs uh you know there you can find it like i said you can find it for almost anything and so um you know again they're managed by people and each of these etfs or mutual funds has a has an internal cost and that's where you want to do a lot of your research because um you know some some have a lot lower costs, some have pretty high costs, some are in the middle. And so, you know, you need to weigh out if you're going to pay more of an internal expense, if you're going to pay more to that team of people, what are you getting in return? You know, is it where worth do, it? Where do we find that? Uh, it'd be what's called a fact sheet. Um, so if you looked up any ETF, um, and you know whatever ETF that you're looking at buying, you type in the ticker symbol, which is going to be typically the for ETFs. It's going to be you know the four to five letter kind of jumbled up code that you'll you'll find for it. And then um, you just type in fact sheet, and that will give you a one to two page all the pertinent information on that ETF or that mutual fund. And in there, it will talk about an expense ratio. And, uh, yeah, typically they're between, z- you know, no one's at zero, but close to zero, you know, 0.02, 0.05 somewhere are kind of the lowest all the way up to, I've seen some that are you know, up, upwards of 2%. Like there's a, a Bitcoin, um, ETF you can buy into now Well, they, they charge 2% per year. Uh, that that's really, really high. And so, you know, there's, it kind of ranges depending upon, the type and, and again I don't want to get too much in this because that's the next podcast as well. Um, so tune in, you know, make sure you tune into that. So okay, so I'm going to keep asking questions. You can tell yeah. me to ask these questions in the next episode. <laughs> no, that's not. fine. But, uh, so what's a typical average? You said two percent was high. What's uh, I'm looking at the SP 500 right now and it's point zero nine. Um, what's kind of like an average one? one percent lower than one percent i'd say lower yeah i'd say lower um typically and again i will go over this very generally because we'll do more of this in the next podcast um okay but you're you're gonna have index funds that are really cheap down there what you just said you know around 0.1 percent you're gonna have um other ones that are probably somewhere in the range of 0.4 to 0.6 i'd say that's where most of the 
most of them probably range. And yeah, and then you're going to have your specialty ones that are a lot higher. And again, the, the Bitcoin one, it's really the only way for people to get into Bitcoin unless they want to go buy Bitcoin itself. And so because it's specialty, they can charge more and there's a lot more risk and there's a lot more, you know, so that's what I'm saying. I'm not right. saying that the 2% on that one is is inherently bad. It might be perfect for what you're trying to do because you know, that may be what you want in your portfolio. And if that's the case, then this is the cost to get what you want. Not what I implore people to do, uh, particularly if you, if you don't tune into the next episode where we're going to dive into this a lot more is it's not all about cost. You know, not everything is about cost. Like, I mean, if we go to the grocery store and there's whatever, you know, thing that you want to buy, getting some mac and cheese, well, you can get name brand crappy mac and cheese or you can get a lot better high class mac and cheese and you're going to save yourself 50 cents well would you rather eat something that tastes bad and save 50 cents you know, like sometimes you get what you pay for and 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 other times you don't maybe they have a similar you know flavor profile and then you, it doesn't really matter and you should save the, i'm not saying that that we should exclude all of the low cost ones it's just sometimes you get what you pay for and so i wouldn't always just immediately go to the least cost one um you know we, we all have situations like that in life where we've done that where we've picked something because it's cheaper and then it turns out we're like we should have just went with the more expensive one because this is way more of a headache or a pain in the butt or you know whatever it is and you know so it's it's not it's not a hundred percent based on it, it's a factor it's definitely a factor, but it's not. It shouldn't be the the only factor. Doritos number one. There is never an off brand that's good enough. There you go. And so you'll pay more <laughs> to have Doritos than have you know High V or up where you are fries down here where we are fries. You know, I guess ours would be Kroger brand Doritos. You know, if it doesn't taste as good, uh, you don't care that you're saving some money. Safeway? Safeway still a thing? Yeah, we have a lot of Safeways down here. Yeah, yeah. Just tapping into my Arizona brain. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, Albertsons? Yep, yep, they're yep. down here. It's nice. kind of those three mainly. We're getting a few Aldis moving down from from Aldi. up north. But It's good stuff. Bring your quarters. That's right. That's right. So. All right, so I'm, I, I just Googled that, what you said, um, found it pretty easily um the fact sheet continue the fact sheet yeah. yep and then you're i went on robin hood quick and that's um below scroll down just a little bit uh you s search your etf that you're looking for and it's a little bit down the the page under key statistics um trying to find it um right now on coinbase just uh well that one a little bit to find it but coin, i don't know if they but, have it yeah because that's going to be um those are those are coins. Those those are cryptocurrency. They they're not going to have. Okay, they don't have anything on. No, this no, because because an idiot. That's okay. No, so that that this is a, a good thing um, to make sure we clarify. A stock is not going to have a fact sheet because it's just the stock. You're going to go read the reports on the stock. What has fact sheets are going to be mutual funds or ETFs. So if you're looking to purchase a, a mutual fund or an ETF, um, you can find a, a fact sheet on the mutual fund or ETF because it's going to hold a bunch of stuff. What it's telling you is 
this is our investment strategy. These are the types of assets we will hold within here. This is the range, you know, that we're willing to go to. Um, we try to follow this, you know, index as a benchmark. Here's the expense ratio. Uh, a lot of them will, especially if they are ranked, they'll show whether they're Morningstar ranked. Take that for what you will. Morningstar ranks ETFs and mutual funds. Um, it's just a, a rating company. So again, I'm not trying to advocate for Morningstar ratings or not. That's up, up to you individually. It'll show the performance over the last, you know, one month, year to date, three months, six months, five, three years, five years, 10 years. Um, shows the top 10 holdings. Like it just, it gives you a lot of information on what that fund is, what it does, and what you can try to expect in the future based on past performance, um, even though that's not always obviously indicative. Um, and so, yeah, it's, you're just going to have fact sheets on mutual funds or ETFs. Maybe that's a future episode. Just how to read fact sheet, breaking that down. Yeah. On our production meeting. (laughs) There we go. Yeah. We'll have to, well, probably have to have some sort of video for that one though, so that we can go through the, each part point it out talk about it yeah but yeah it's a good idea nice yeah so so i went to sofi sofi has a nice clean fact sheet on the side holdings details expense ratio easy to find so right well and 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 uh i know those are are two that you're familiar with and utilize so for most people out there you're going to be looking at you know the the big three biggest etf and mutual fund players out there are are blackrock uh, State Street and Vanguard, and a lot of people, you know, particularly young people, are really attracted to Vanguard. So, you know, you're gonna you just you go on Vanguard's website, you find the the QCIP, you know, the ticker symbol like that of whatever mutual fund or ETF you're looking for, and then they'll have a fact sheet on there. You just click the fact sheet, and it'll it'll give you a little two page synopsis of it. But those are the three biggest, whether it comes to mutual funds and um, ETFs. Right on. So I should get a Vanguard account. Well, it depends. Depends if they match your investment strategy. I mean, I would prefer them over Robinhood because Vanguard has been around a long time, and we've we've already gone over Robinhood's downfalls. Really? Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, we don't need to continue what if, that. <laughs> what if they wanted to sponsor this? <laughs> no, I, I doubt that they're going to. If they listen to any of them, hey, maybe they will sponsor it to convince you otherwise well probably not because i don't sell my soul so i wouldn't take it (laughs) i'll take it well i'll have to find a new co-host then (laughs) but anyways i think that's that's kind of it we just wanted to go over the basics of these today um you know and then like like we've said already throughout the podcast uh we're in the next episode uh we're going to be diving deeper into Mutual funds, ETFs, you know the different types, um, the benefits, even more in the benefits of the tax side of things, uh, and how to try to wade through the pool of you know tens of thousands of different mutual funds and ETFs to find the ones that are right for you. Uh, so make sure you check that one out as well. Um, as always, we appreciate all of our listeners, and if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, you know, please let us know. 
Uh, our email is podcast at financiallysharp.com. Once again, that's podcast at financiallysharp.com. And we look forward to seeing you all in the next episode. Peace. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon as a basis for investment decisions. This podcast does not engage in rendering legal, tax, financial, or other professional services. Investment advisory services are offered through Harmony Wealth, a registered investment advisor authorized to do business in states where registered or otherwise exempt from registration. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please contact Harmony Wealth at 602-935-5155 or at HarmonyWealthAZ.com. 